On today's episode, Dave interviews Brendan Hunt. Brendan is known for his work on We're the Millers, The American Bickman Burger, and Call of Duty Finest Hour. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Dream Factory. Right. So much about it. This is it. This is where we live. This is where I am. I fucking can't believe you're doing that. That's fucking awesome. So, do, how many auditions did you have for? What's the name of the play? Uh, it's called Bunny Bunny, based on his book Bunny Bunny. Did you read the book? I haven't read the book yet. Um, but apparently, it's it's very very close. To the at the Falcon Theater, you Falcon. just got. You pronounce it Falcon. That's well, this, I pronounce this is what romantic. I. People give me a hard time because I I I say this word C A L M and it's calm, calm. It's not calm, because you don't say, I got a, you don't say, you say, I have a palm pilot. Do you say palm pilot? Uh, well, no one really says that anymore. But, but I'm saying, yeah, like, calm, slip, calm down. Calm down. Calm down, yeah. It's like, it's like an almost silent L, but not quite. Right. So I, what did I get a hard time? Falcon. Falcon? Falcon. Yeah, Falcon, Falcon is like Falcon. from Falcon Theater. Falcon. I don't know. Some people ask me, they go, where are you from? I'm like, what are you fucking talking about where I'm from? Well, it sounds like you're from England. It's like, have you ever heard anybody from England? <laughs> and you think I'm from England? It's like, you have a little English twinge to it, or whatever you want to say. It's like, really? I don't think you've ever heard anybody from England. Because <laughs> if you're perceiving what I'm saying as being British in any way... I've gotten that occasionally as well. Sometimes from Dutch people. Well, uh-huh. in, in, but I understand from like, Dutch people. Yeah, that's a little more understandable, but also less because they are closer to English people, and they also should know what English people sound like. Right. But yeah, when people are like, "Are you English? Are you an idiot?" <laughs> <laughs> I say that to myself. <laughs> uh, I think that for me, when somebody says that, I, they go, "Where are you from?" I say, "I'm from Chicago," and you and I are both from Chicago. We're not from Kankakee. No. We're both from the city. Not too far away from each other. Yeah, you're, I think you're one of the only two other people I even know from here who is out here who is actually from Chicago, Chicago. Right, or Pete, right, who say, and especially, especially people go, I'm from Chicago. So you weren't a South Sider at all? No, I'm a North Side child with South Side parents. Right, that's what it is. That's what it is. So you, you, you kind of grew up Devani, East Rogers Parky, right? Um, that's where your mom's bar was, that's right? That's where my mom's bar was, yes, Canines right. in uh, Devana Newgard. Right. So for me, I always feel like people go, yeah, you don't have a Chicago accent. It's like, no, I don't have a Chicago accent. How, how did that happen? It's like, I don't know. But I do say Falcon. Now, why do I say Falcon? I think I say Falcon because of all the, imp- all the theater that I've done where there's an influence of that. A lot of times there are uh, Falcons or other peregrines as uh, dramatic devices in a lot of stuff. Right. And because they're portentous. You might be more inclined to pronounce them as Falcon. Oh no, there's a message from the Falcon. The SS Falcon has sunk. I'm trying to guess here. I have no idea. I mean, for me, it's more just long lines. I, it, it's just in general, speaking in general. You know, I, I well, it's like calm instead of calm. Because calm, I don't know. I, that well, doesn't calm sound. sound like there's some kind of weird East Coast. But people calm. do calm. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. People do calm. Calm. I can't even. I can't even fake it. Um, I'm going to get back to this whole thing. Not that it's important, but it is. It's exciting. So the idea of coming out to LA is this, is this equity? Uh, I guess it's an equity theater. Yeah, but I'm not an equity actor. Not yet. But uh, I'll. Uh, it's an equity schedule. Eight-hour rehearsal days uh, for about four weeks, and then a week of previews, and then five shows a week. 
I'm not looking for you to give me a fact of dollar amount, but can you make a living on doing this play? Oh, no. Oh, no. A at all? No. I mean, if it extended you know, for years and there was various forced kick-ins maybe, but uh, no, I don't think anyone expects you to make a living off this. But having said that, it, is, it will be the most ever been paid for theater. Uh-huh. But not enough for you to pay the rent? No. No. The actual amount of money I would make for a month of shows will not... Did you go through an agent? Uh, they posted it, yes, and my agent found it. Uh-huh. So she's getting 10% of, of dick. My, both my agent and manager have kindly refused their commissions. Oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. So you have an agent and a manager. You're, you're, you're doing okay. Uh, I, I had a, a, uh, my first like, decent year this year, depending I on I saw what you relative. did, yeah. But uh, you know, the, the thing is, like, 2012 and 2013 were, uh, were absolute shitstorms. Like, at the end of 2012, I'm like, wow, this is my worst ever year in L.A. Uh -huh. And then 2013 was worse. Uh, no, this is 2013. Sorry, 2011 was, was my worst year in LA, and then 2012 was worse. Uh, worse. And, and you did is okay. You did filthy this year. That was this year. Uh, the play itself opened this year, yeah, right. in January. Right. Um, and did, was there buzz because of that? I don't think so. Um, uh, so for those listening at home, I did. I wrote a play and went up this year. It's called Absolutely Filthy, and ended up doing quite well. Um, and at Sacred that, Fools. At Sacred Fools Theater, um, and then on to the Hollywood Fringe. And uh, I think, almost coincidentally, I had a pretty good year uh, on camera. Besides that, I don't think it was because of buzz so much as it was just self-momentum. You know, I, I, I think of it as got rewarded for getting off my ass and, and working really, really hard on something. You know, I did you, so you say when you're getting off your ass, did you, did you consider yourself a lazy person? Um, no, I mean, I've been, I've been working. Right. You know, I've been trying to do my thing the last couple of years. But Absolutely Filthy is the first fully completed project since my one-man show. Well, that's not quite true, but basically, you know, of anything to uh, My whole thing right now is just, import. you have, you, you, you were, I really I talk a lot about inspiration and how, and also the idea of being lazy, the word lazy, how I don't feel it's a word. I mean, it's a word, but I don't understand the concept. I don't really understand it. If somebody says you're lazy, it's like, who the fuck are you to tell me that, that I'm doing? Well, you, so what got me is when you said you got off your ass and you did something. I feel like you, you might have perceived yourself being on your ass, but during that time that you were on your ass, you were, foam, you, you were, you were working. You know what I mean? I don't mean working like somebody give you a paycheck, but working like going, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And there was, in all of that too, I was certainly workshopping uh, Pigpen at 30, which became absolutely filthy in right. various forms. You did that at UCB. And, mm -hmm. um, and certainly performing here and there. And I had, uh, you know, even even commercials help a little bit because that's, that's our camera experience. And, uh, mm -hmm. and little TV things here and there. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like nothing was happening. Um, but when I, when I say get off my ass, I guess I more mean like feeling sorry for myself. Like it, there is, there was that great... A uh, blog that went around two years ago by Ms. Kopic, not Laurel Kopic, but her sister. I wish I could remember her first name. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, called uh, Eyes on Your Own Paper. And uh, it's about the importance, as, as an artist, but I think I, I took it as especially for living in L.A., of don't worry about what anyone else is doing because there are a lot of people out there who are probably doing better than you, but uh, it doesn't matter. That's their thing. You got what are you doing? And I fairly easily fall into the trap of like, oh man, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have that. All my other friends do. Well, man, that just mean I am bad. Right. Um, and there was, 
that none of that has actually changed. No, none of the actual facts of, uh, of my quote unquote level of achievement has actually changed <coughs> in comparison to people who I'm like bummed out about. Right. Uh, or who I let myself get bummed out about. Right. I'm certainly very happy for them. Um, but I certainly stopped worrying about it. The facts, really. the facts haven't changed. Your truth about it has changed. Yeah, yeah. But in that way, and we know, I mean, what's happening with um, Seth mm-hmm. Meyer. You look at it and you go, but there's a fucking worthy motherfucker if ever there was one. Well, that's the, that's the thing about it. It's like, <clears throat> um, we've, or specifically to me, like I've had the good fortune of, of like having some peers who are pretty great, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so all the stuff that, uh, that they're doing, it's like, oh man, that is great and that is right and that is deserved. And like, it's not, it's not um, uh, the sort of uh, bitterness that I associate with Mark Maron's Darkest Nights. You know, uh-huh. about anyone or another. It's, like, <laughs> right. it's just like, well, yep, that's, of course, there they go. I am the worst. <laughs> you know, it's very inwardly uh, focused. Yeah. Um, it's, and it it's, doesn't help. No, it doesn't help. And, and what you did was you realized that you were doing it, and the way that you dealt with it was you realized that you were doing it. Because I think that the, that the major thing when that happens is go, oh, I'm doing that. I am doing that. I am going to, I am opening the cave door. If there's a door in a cave, your cave has a door. Right. And at that point, you should be like, I'm lucky. A lot of caves in this mountain don't have doors. Right, right, right. Look I'm a lucky fucker. Right. Exactly. And it is that look at your own paper. And uh, because I know people that are in that, you know, in that um, echelon, that echelon, that that uh, the atmosphere, that very, very special atmosphere that those people go to, and you go, oh my god! And at first, I was having a really, really hard time a few years ago, uh, you know, getting divorced and all that stuff. And then, forty-year-old virgin came out, and those posters were motherfucking everywhere, <laughs> and it was, they were everywhere. No matter where you're going, you know, am I wrong? Or was that the biggest postering campaign of history? You know, where you just saw his face. Huge all over the place and you go wow 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 and it wasn't like where's mine it was sort of like what's happening to me what's going on and Um, then to realize that you're doing that and the moment that that sickness comes over you that symptom like you feel like you have the runs you just want to take a nap you go no i'm doing that to me i uh i had a poster uh moment uh of you know former uh former peers um uh, billboard moment. Uh, it was after coming back from Amsterdam. I think the second time I came back from Amsterdam. But whatever, because I was working at a restaurant downtown that no longer exists because it was a block away from Staples Center, which was very fruitful. But then they opened up LA Live, which right. is eight restaurants a block closer than the restaurant a block away from Staples Center. Um, so that restaurant died a really slow, drawn out. Uh, we're going to keep trying chemo, but it's not going to work kind of death. And so I'm going home with like you know, 50 bucks a night when it used to be 200. It's soul sucking. It, it's really, it was not a good time. And also, uh, I didn't have a car at the time. So I was riding my bicycle to the metro, taking the metro to uh, Hollywood and Highland. And then that bus up to the Cuenca Pass oh, to my apartment. Oh, man. Um, so and you know which 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 was fine. Actually, right. I, I enjoyed getting around that way. Um, 
But in those nights when you end up with like $50 after uh, a four-hour shift and on a Saturday, which you felt was going to be a big night, like, oh, man, what a bummer. Um, so I'm at Hollywood and Highland, put my bike on the front of the bus, go sit down, and uh, there's that Hollywood and Highland complex. And I look up, and there's that, oh, that Abercrombie and Fitch? That was like a Gap thing that's spoofing Abercrombie and Fitch? Is that, oh, that's Fred Armisen and Rose Forte and, and Seth. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember when Seth Honeyville shows in Edinburgh. Oh, and was that in the scarf? Oh, that's Sudeikis. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we used to do comedy sports. They're over there. I'm. I have fifty dollars in my pocket here. <laughs> and my bike is on the bus. Right, right. And uh, and you know, I I, I do, I have I think done a, a very healthy job of always being like, that's great, that's great for them, you know, like, I don't, because I, I, I never want, it would be easy, perhaps even natural, to ever have a moment of like, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to single out Mark Marin for anything other than how he's advertising himself, but uh, Marin-esque bitterness towards anything, um, but that sort of redoubles the inward focus of it, you know, the inward damage of, of just like, you fucking suck, bro. You, you <laughs> look in the mirror telling yourself that, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's. I can be guilty of that, and it, you know, it doesn't help me. But I think we're all guilty of like sliding back into that thing every once in a while. I love when people realize that they got that they that they're in charge of of keeping your eyes on your own paper. I love that people are like what you did because I think that at the end of the day, that's the beginning of you being aware of you're in control of all of your emotional content. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and I think that there are a lot of people who don't even see that and who will say, why haven't I gotten this? Why is there that? And I have a friend who, sh everything that everybody gets, I'm afraid to tell her that somebody got something because I know the next line is, well, why wasn't I invited to that? Why couldn't I do that? Why are you doing that? And why am I not doing that? And I'd like to do that. I want to do that. It's like, that's not why I'm telling you this. Yeah, we, we should be able to share some, some joy here. And that's a major thing. Yeah. Is the sharing of the joy because and as it's funny you should say that because I was thinking about all the joy that you and I have shared in like dancing, oh, you know what I mean? But it's that dan like dancing in Amsterdam and that joy and the confidence that you had living there mm -hmm. when you were working there, and then coming here and saying I am totally aware of my ability to do that, you know that's my phone, I think. I think it's your phone. Yeah, that's okay. Did you not know you were doing a podcast today? Um, I gotta call me every once in a while to make sure that where I am, because if I don't call me, right now I'm worried about me, because I'm like, why am I not answering my right. phone? I mean, ordinarily you can call me, and I'll tell you if you're by me, but I have my phone off because I'm recording a fucking podcast. What's wrong with you? Jesus, I gotta tell me that next time I talk to me. Yeah, would you? <laughs> would you please? Uh, I'm s next time I see me, I'm some fuck. I don't get. Why do I? This is what I've been thinking about lately. <laughs> this idea. We don't have to finish sentences. I can get to a point in a sentence where you know exactly what you're going to say. But you don't even have to finish that. I didn't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if I start one and... <laughs> well, hold on, Dave, because you put some extra mustard on that, on the unfinished sentence, Done. which is a, a certain degree of, of manual Gesturing. and facial gesticulation. <laughs> exactly. If, if, if it pleases the court, leads the witness. You don't even have to say the witness. <laughs> Why are you spending your time on that? Where you could just easily do... Well, because uh, you know, I would think you'd have to agree, David. Even if you 
uh, are confident the other person can finish your sentences, by not finishing the sentence, you leave yourself open to misinterpretation. I didn't do that and last that part. The person grabs the, grabs the gun and shoots himself because they're like, I finally, Dave understood. Finally, Dave. That's it. You don't need that other part. Well, there's a dead person on your couch. <laughs> Just because you wanted to show off your tel- telepathy. It's not just telepathy. It's a trust to you that you know how, that, what, that I will end the... <laughs> You're going to know that. You're going to know that. And, and once you... And, once I, and lately I've been thinking, I can't stop doing that. I can't, I can't stop doing I need to spend more time with more people. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because... Uh... It's good to finish sentences, I think, in the long run. Is it? It's rewarding. It creates, it's, it's, you don't know that. I, right. You don't know that. Right. Welcome to my world. That's and right. that is the most infuriating catchphrase ever. In-joke reference to something that happened before <laughs> recording. Please pardon this in-joke podcast when I was I think the majority of people know that I've come up with that, that thing there. Um, when do you start rehearsal for this thing? Uh, Bunny Bunny started rehearsal on January 2nd, and Ooh. then first preview is January 29th, and then we open February 7th? Maybe? You're in rarefied air in this way. Very few people that I know have come here and done plays. Especially, <laughs> you know, especially like this, uh, it opened on broad, uh, was that, did you say, where did it, where did it open? Bunny Bunny? Yeah. Uh, I think it opened, not on Broadway, but some highfalutin place in New York in like 99 or 2002. Uh-huh. Tell the story. What's it, just give me a, give me a give me a pull line. Um it's Alan Zweibel's uh, Bunny Bunny and it's based on his book Bunny Bunny and it's basically a recounting of his platonic love affair he had with Gilda Radner from the day they met at the very first uh, ever SNL writers meeting uh, until her death by which time they'd both you know married other people and they'd never as far as the play suggests anyway never consummated their affection. Um, but they had this torturous, sort of magical, very loving uh, relationship uh, riven by her uh, health issues and his uh, neurotic Jewishness. <laughs> Which he comes I back lo- to with great regularity. I love the fact that you're playing a neurotic Jew. I mean, as I was at the callback, I was like, I think, I think this is the first time I've ever had to say this, but or anyone's ever said this in the history of show business, but I'm not going to get this because I'm not Jewish enough. <laughs> Is this 21st century Hollywood? Is this how What's it works happening? Now? What's happening? What's happening? Oh, i got to change my name to something more Jewish sounding. <laughs> uh, Brendan Hunt sounds like a Jewish name that was changed to Brendan Hunt. So you can do that by, uh, by default. Um, who's playing Gilda? Uh, a woman named Erin Pineda, who uh, I met at the callback. Uh, only briefly, because the scenes, we actually barely face each other. So we just got called in, we read, you know, we're looking at the audience, not making eye contact. And then uh, two days later, I'm at the, uh, the coffee shop in my girlfriend's neighborhood. I'm just walking my girlfriend to work. Uh, and the woman next to me goes, uh, Hi, did you, did you audition for Bunny But Yeah, oh yes, hi, what's your name? Aaron, Aaron, Brennan, hey, great. Yeah, oh, nice to meet you, yeah, nice to meet you. We're waiting for our coffees, and there's about... 30 seconds of, of cold silence and finally I'm like so are you uh, did you get it? <laughs> she goes, it's like like almost regretfully she's like yeah yeah it looks like this I'm gonna do it no I am too it's great oh great oh great <laughs> yay yay both of us just sitting on the intel until we got the all clear <laughs> see those are sentences that need to be finished there um, are many of those things. you can't take it for granted I think there's a lot where you don't need it so um 
that idea of oh I, we can't talk about it, I can't get excited about it, I can't I can't tell you about it where it's like did you oh I don't want to disappoint you it's so interesting out here because it it's people can can be soul crushed to know that they got something that that somebody got something that you you think you may or may not have might or might not have gotten you know it's that idea of we have to protect protect each other's fragile egos yeah. I don't I don't know that lately I just I, I don't want to sound that I'm cold, but it's like, let's talk about. Did you get it? I didn't get it. Did you get it? I got it. Yeah. But that thirty seconds of uh, stepping around it. Well, I think thirty seconds was the exact amount of the limit of consideration we could give. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I think that much is, is fine, but like, but yeah, but you're right. It really should be very casual because the answer is always: if you didn't get this one, you're going to get the next one. And right. Not next one's the one after that, and something's gonna work out, and it's gonna be great. And uh, we know going in, mathematically, uh, we're not gonna get most things. Right. That's, that's just how it works. We've signed up for that. Um, so to be crushed uh, to the point where you can't talk about the project you didn't get every time you didn't get something, well, whoa, that that is that is not gonna be sustainable uh, if you're in this for the long haul because that's gonna happen a lot. It's going to eat you from the inside, yes. and I believe a lot of people do get eaten from the inside. And I also believe that, it, it, I'm going to say this, and I don't necessarily mean age as much as I mean experience, it's a young man's game. That getting eaten from the inside where you come here and you go, where's mine? Oh my God, you, I can't talk that, about that with you. Yeah. But we need to have those conversations because ultimately those conversations make us stronger people. And when I say stronger, what I mean is exactly what you said. I might not have gotten this one, but I might get another one. Or I, 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 might, I might not have gotten this one, but I will get another one. I will. I will work again. God is my witness. I will work again. But that idea of, oh, I nearly knew this one. How can I not do this one? Da, da, da. That makes it so that you won't get the next one. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that breeds, you know, not to be overly hippie-ish about it, but I do believe this stuff to a degree, but it, it just breeds negative energy in that. And that radiates out. Isn't that whole idea of negative energy? You walk into a room. I walk into a room and I see you in that room. Or somebody that is like, you give me energy to want to be part of this scene. I walk in a room and there's a dark hole of a, of a man there. And I go, fuck. I mean, there is energy there, but it's dark hole energy. And those people that are that dark hole, you go, wow, you're... I don't want to be around that energy. Well, but for the record, the other the other side of that can be just as bad because I've gone into rooms before where it'll be like a stand-up I know or someone and be like, eh, eh, but, oh, and like, oh man, no, I, that's still dark I'm energy. I'm gonna work on my. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, but they don't know, they don't know it they don't know it that way. And if you get roped into it of having to like, you know, be a nice person to your friend who is being, uh, you know, rather inappropriate, then. People around you go like, "Well, it's supposed to look at that asshole. It's look at those assholes." Right. Um, so I tend to like, regardless of what it, if I know, if I see someone, if I see you in a, in a waiting room or someone else who I really like a lot, I really, no matter how much, no matter how much I like the person, I'm like, "What's up?" Right. Back at my paper. Right. Because like, I just, I just don't want to. It, it can be a slippery slope in a bit town too, you know, like slippery slope in a bit town. That was your first book, right? Uh, it was. It was. Uh, Preceding uh, the sequel, uh, Long Fall, into Lotsy, <laughs> <laughs> which they, they were they were rather derivative of each other. <laughs> they were well, it was written by the same person. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to go, but there's also something with I go into a if I go into a room. I haven't been to audition in a really long time, but if I go into a room 
waiting room and you're there and I'm there, I could look at it and go, oh, Brendan, he's, he's looking like crazy. Or I could say, we're on the same audition. We're, we're on the same audition. How this fucking is, awesome is that? It's a very Hollywood poly- podcast happening right now. We're talking but about it, waiting it, rooms. Right. But me, as I said, I haven't been to one in a really long time. I haven't been on an audition in so fucking long. But you're not, you're not focusing on that. Exactly. And that's what I mean. Um, I'm not focusing on it. And, I, and so when I ask you if you have you know, a manager and an agent, what I look at, I go, oh, that's you know, that's something that people have. I guess people still have those. <laughs> Are the people still using those things? <laughs> Are people still using that? That's really quaint. Good for you. Uh, you know, good for you because I um, I don't I don't use that. I don't use those things. Um, and I look at people, and especially being out here. How long have you been out here? Um, off and on for ten years, but full time five years. We've seen a lot of people come into their own. And what I mean by, when I say that is, somebody like Pete Gardner. Uh, you know Pete? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you seen this Doritos spot that he's got running now? It's, it's sure oh my God. Well, you, you know it. He is, he is fucking awesome. And it's so Pete. And you go, that he's, somebody has landed on him. Somebody has gotten him. Somebody gets him. And that's what we're hoping for. That's the Corellism. That's the Sudeikisism. You know, that's the the Seth Meyers. That's those guys. Someone they were always strong enough to say, "This is who it is that I am," and you're either going to see me or you're not going to see me. You in the same way, where you go, you know, the, the idea of just you know sitting on a couch waiting for something to happen. You you don't do that. You still try to get your voice out there. You're not trying. You're still getting your voice out there. And I think um, absolutely filthy, right? Yep. Um, was just so you all over it. And you're doing it South Coast Rep for and for how long? Just a weekend. They do a, a oh, studio really? series where shows swoop in for a weekend. So June, uh-huh. June 5th to June 8th. But it'll, uh, it'll be the nicest venue we've played, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And hopefully we can get something going from that. I mean, I, I really want it to... I, I want to try it out in New York. I don't know... How that happens, like it's it's a world I just am not enough. Who helps with. people with that? <clears throat> I don't. Do they still use the term angels? Angels, I think. <laughs> um, you know, New York producers. Uh, you know, really flat out. I've got, we've got a producer for this who has some New York contacts. He wants to start getting involved, but you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, uh, we're just, we just got to get through June first. Um, uh, but I would love to try. To have this in New York, and it's you know it's that thing too, and this is where I I it's a it's a perfect New York show. Well, like some people have said that, and like the people people you know people have, have been very kind. There's been a lot of like this would do great in New York. You try this off Broadway. Describe what Broadway. the show is. Uh, so the show um, is billed as a Peanuts parody, but that's kind of for legal reasons. It's not it's not quite what you think that's going to be when you hear Peanuts parody, um, but it's about Pigpen. Uh, as an adult, primarily, and Pigpen is still dirty. In fact, wandering the streets, and he's uh, he's rambling like a crazy person. And he finds himself in front of a church where they're holding Charlie Brown's funeral, and all the old gang are coming back, uh, and they're all, uh, uh, you know, they've all done quite well in their lives, and uh, they won't let Pigpen into the funeral, even though it's his dearest friend, because he's a filthy, disgusting, homeless person. And uh, conflict and hilarity ensue, and the sort of theatrical uh, hook is that to be Pigpen's cloud of dirt, his ubiquitous cloud of dirt, I have a brown and black hula hoop, and I basically hula hoop for the whole play, 
and it basically is never mentioned or acknowledged by anyone because it's just a cloud of dirt. Oh, uh, and the words absolutely filthy are the last words uh, Pigpen ever said in a Schultz John comic. Really? Yeah, the very last words in the very last panel. Oh, It was two act, right? Yeah. I gotta tell you, so often in a play, the second act like drags. The fucking second act did not drag. That second act did not drag, and I was like walking away going, that's the play. So a friend of mine wrote a play, uh, you know. Uh, they, it, it didn't drag, it was there, the casting was great, the direction was great. I fucking loved it. And it's, I don't know if you know, if, if you have friends who are authors. Do you? Yeah, a couple. Have you read their books? Yeah. Do you like their books? Yeah. Good, you're lucky. Because I got a lot of friends who are authors and I read their book and I go, oh fuck, don't, 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 don't. Send me the second book and then I'll decide if I want it. Because this first book, I, I can't, I can't read it, I can't read it. And I just want to throttle them and go, God, talk to me before you do anything. Fucking talk to me before you do anything. Um, but your second act is really great and so this could, o the South Coast rep thing could only help. It can only help. That's correct, yeah. Uh, we're going to apply for the New York Fringe Festival, which could help as well. Um, there is a, another fairly well-known uh, Peanuts riff of a show called Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead, which was written by Bert uh, V. Royal, who also wrote Easy A, which is a movie that I like a lot. And, uh, and Dog Sees God did very well. Dog Sees God made it all the way to Off-Broadway and uh, had, had an array of all-star casts, actually. And it started at the New York Fringe Festival as well, and I don't know if that's going to be a plus or a minus for us. You know? When you're doing these things, do you think about the end result or do you think about the process? Um, in the actual, like, getting it going part, the uh, process, probably, like, like what, what is this, what is working? Um, I did a lot of script changes during the rehearsal process. I was very fortunate to have a cast that was you know, quite amenable to rolling with it. At right. the very least, if they weren't amenable, they kept their frustrations with me, right. <laughs> you know, out of the theater. But, um, but then once it's open, and, uh, and basically, you know, at, at least a 90% done thing, then, yeah, I, start, I do start thinking about, like, okay, now where are we going? What is, uh, what is the potential of this? Right. Because I would like it to meet whatever its potential is and I you know but I don't know do you, do you not know until it fails somewhere I don't know that you can think of what the end is going to be I don't know that you can think what I mean other than be in process and I think a lot of people get to a point where they go oh when this is done and then then they leave the room they leave the presentness they go oh when this is done and then suddenly they look up from the paper and they see you know, the lines going down 42nd Street and they see you and they see themselves entering through the stage door and, you know, reading, waiting at Sardi's, you know. I mean, I do think I'm, I'm pretty good about only spending time futurizing about the next possible thing. Right. Um, so for a while I spent South Coast Rap. Well, now South Coast Rap is happening. So right. what is the next thing? Is it, is it near Fringe? Is it, uh, you know doing an Indiegogo to do it off-Broadway. Right. I, I don't know. Um, but... Wow, an Indiegogo to do it off-Broadway. Yeah, I think there's a precedent for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, off-Broadway even, and, you know, just get it started. Yeah, like to bring it to Broadway. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if it's a Broadway show. I don't know if it's a Broadway show because, it, I mean, it's theatrical, and it's funny, and it has a hook. Right. Um, no, it's not a Broadway but, show. Yeah, it's quite off-Broadway. Broad, well... But then again, are, could it be? Like, are you, are you living in lack if you say, it, I don't think it's a Broadway show? 
Because because you look at what's that well, cue? No, I'm not saying I won't let it ever go to Broadway. I understand that. You know, like if if it evolves in that way, great. But uh, let me let me manage my expectations there. That is what I'm. Ta- that's another thing of, of saying that. But it's also not saying. It's also saying saying it. It's it could be a Broadway show. It also could be devoured by by uh, if I may paint New York in the uh, you know in the, in the most cynical, fearful uh, way possible. Uh, it might be devoured by a bastion of critics just longing to uh, to savage any uh, LA-based project that thinks it's actually theater from that town. <laughs> no, sir. But there's a, but look at all the things that had to happen in order for that statement to be made. The idea that first off that it's got to be there. Second off that you, a bunch of LA people are going to be there. Third off that there's a critic who has a fucking edge to grind. Is that a phrase? Edge. The edge of the axe. The edge. The axe to grind. The edge of the axe to grind. You didn't need to finish that sentence. No, yes, I you didn't. did. Yes, you did. I, I didn't know did. what you were talking That's about. That's why. But there's certain sentences that you do need to. You know, the, 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 all those things that had to happen. In order for Frank Rich to go back to the New York Times to be a critic, <laughs> to bitch about what you're doing, to go, all right, oh, I can't take it. Uh, listen, old gray lady or whatever they call that. Is that the old gray lady? Or oh, look, Washington it's, it's uh, Frank Rich. Oh, he's left the beltway. He's furious about something. <laughs> exactly. So he, he I got, guess he felt the need to hack down some poser. Hack down some L.A. poser. Oh my God! Wait, what's he? I mean, that's, but see, already, like that's. I, I don't want to be thinking that far ahead. And, but you don't. Uh, I, I don't. Like I, I'll, I'll go there for like five seconds, and then I will have a catalog of all the things I thought then, and then I will go back to just getting ready for Zelko's Threat. That's what I'm talking about. Like the idea of being present to the catalog that you just thumb through, and to go, I'm putting that catalog down. Yeah, those those objects are available to me at any time. And I don't like I don't have to wait, and there's no charge for delivery. But it's that feeling of going back to that thing. Like, don't fucking schlep the yesterday's catalog into right now. <laughs> yes, that's true. Because that is such a thing that that people tend to do. And that's you, great. Don't carry around yesterday's catalog. Right. Because yesterday's catalog, those catalogs, they 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 take up weight and space. Oh my Ooh. god. Man. Oh my god. I just got, I just, uh, this year, last year, when was it? This year? This year? Um, I unloaded everything at my uncle's house because he got, he had, you know, he had to move away from his house because he was becoming a hoarder. And I had to go through all of his shit. Oh, boy. We're talking catalogs? Fucking catalogs. Not just catalogs, but books and paper. He was a paper holder. He was a paper hoarder. Paper and paper and paper and fucking gigaws and knickknacks and doodads. Anything free, he would go there and get it. Keychains and lighters and uh, you know uh, uh, flashlights and if all that. Knickknacks and doodads. Were there no tchotchkes? Oh, dude, I want to show you some tchotchkes later. Okay. There are fucking tchotchkes. But I left out the tchotchkes. I didn't want to be too Jewish, knowing that you're still working on the Jewish yeah, that's thing. Yeah, I'm cornering that market. <laughs> you that's got my that. thing. That's your, that's I, am, I am Hollywood's go-to neurotic Jew. <laughs> exactly. Today. Exactly. Do you have to have a Jewish kind of neurotic... Neuro, uh, like, yeah, you, you're telling me? You have to do those kind of things? <laughs> like, I would like to tell you not to do that. Uh, I, that sort of thing? I think they uh, wanted a bit of... Of Long Islandness, uh, uh-huh. which you know, I think, great. I got to go. That is regional uh, at the callback. Um, we'll see how far that uh, that that goes with it. But you know, I mean, I'm sure Alan Zabel loves being compared to Woody Allen. But uh, Woody Allen was, you know, I mean, that that's that's part of my, you know, comedy DNA, part of my artistic DNA. Um, so I got stuff to draw on there. 
I'm also like apparently one uh, eighth Polish, and part of me has always wondered, well, if we were in Poland, and we had a reason to leave Poland, what could that reason have been? Right. Uh, and part Lithuanian too, which yeah, you know, that's another. I've been to Lithuania. My grandparents are from. My great grandfather's from Lithuania. What's that? We talked about that. In fact, when that was happening. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, I was I was married in the Jewish ceremony straight out of college. And, right. Uh, uh, they don't. You, you don't get to keep any honorary Jew status if you get divorced after a year and a half. But still, there's something. I'm not. I'm not coming. I'm not coming into this having you know grown up in the Hamptons. Right. Uh, right. Right. And watch Robert Redford movies all my life. Okay, I went there for a second of one of those movies. Did you see my catalog? I brought the catalog. <laughs> I brought IMDb, the entire IMDb into that, that space, that duration of shape of me going off, going, what were those movies? Yeah, that movie with um, uh, 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 Barefoot in the Park, uh, which he did on oh, Broadway. See, <clears throat> you haven't even thinking of that. I'm just thinking that there's no uh, less prototypical Jewish comedy than A River Runs Through It. Right, <laughs> right, right. Right. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got some feelings about River Runs Through It? Well, I just, there's a couple of movies like A River Runs Through It and The English Patient. I go, fuck that. I can't do that anymore. I won't do that fucking thing. I watched, and I bitched about it on, a, on a, someone else's podcast, uh, Lee, Lee Daniels' The Butler. Fuck that movie. Fuck that movie. Fuck that Ooh, movie. Gosh, fuck really that movie. See it now. It's, oh it's my god. Really well, SAG is going. You know, it's up for the SAG Awards, and I'm going. I don't believe anybody. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I mean, I know what's going on. There's acting. I left that movie smelling of acting, and I was in my car. My car needed to be detailed. I had to have all my clothes dry clean, and I could not get the stink of acting this off is of the me. Strongest I've heard yet. Tony oh, Daniels, apostrophe the butler. Oh my God! Have you seen it? I haven't yet. No. It's first off, first off, it's it's not. It, it, the guy never had a son, and they added a son, and then they changed his name, and it's like it's not based on a true story anymore. As much as you're Jewish or Polish or Lithuanian. I am Polish. But you know, it's ba that's what I'm saying. It's so a little bit of a little bit that you can't go, you know. So yeah, I get pissed off. I get pissed off in the marketing, and I get pissed off watching what's his name, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, going stop at the acting, stop at the acting, Oprah. You're acting, and I knew exactly what was happening in one particular scene where I go, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. End of the movie. They're old people. Spoiler alert. <laughs> What the fuck do you think is gonna motherfucking happen? Well, what did you want them to do? Time travel? Of course. No, in that movie, it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, don't fucking pull my heartstrings. Do you mean they're old people like like there's a sudden time jump into now, sort of like Schindler's List style? No, but they're, I'm not even gonna tell you because I don't. You know, I don't know if you're gonna see it. I'm not gonna tell you what the fuck is happening. Well, I don't know. Anybody, I've, I've you heard know what's gonna happen. Negative stuff about it in the last Ooh. minute or so. Right. Maybe I, I didn't see it. You and I are in our don't 80s. Don't spoil it for the people, though. You know what? Fuck the people. Oh, wow. Anybody who's watching it, I'm saving them two and a half hours of their life. Wow, Lee Daniels has really gotten you angry. Uh, or was it people taking Lee Daniels' precious, the butler? I don't know if Lee Daniels wrote the story. He's the director. I think it's his director. director. And who the, f you know, is it Orson Welles, 2000, is it Orson Welles, 2000 year old man? Why that? Why would that be a combo platter? Uh, <laughs> I would see that. I think I would see that. I would see that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Orson Welles, War of the Worlds. Is it Orson Welles, War of the Worlds? It is Orson Welles, War of the Worlds. Or is it H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds? It's a, it's a little of both. 
the story is, of course, H.G., and then uh, Orson, you know... Is it Orson Welles' Citizen Kane? It's no, just Citizen Kane. It's Citizen Kane. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, because Lee Dan is like, how do you put your name in the title? Because you directed it. It's like Steven Spielberg's E.T. It's not. It's E.T. I don't even know that guy, but if I saw him, I would sit down with him, <laughs> Lee Daniels, and I would go, oh, man. really, really? Oof. Did you see The English Patient? You've seen it. I that podcast. Uh, I saw it in the theaters back in the day. Yeah. I couldn't fucking take it. Another movie. It's like, I was the only one going, no. Well, I remember, I remember two things in that movie that I have taken with me and generally given me a, a positive memory of it. One is that plane crash, plane crash scene. At the beginning. Uh, right? I think it's toward the end. I didn't yeah, see I it. I don't remember. It's, well, let me just me, tell it's, you. It's, it's half the movie. And the other part being, Kristen Scott Thomas gets uh, her vagina played with for a little while and then goes back to her uh, her husband, who was not playing with her vagina. I think it's Colin Firth. And he immediately goes, hmm, what's that smell? Mazapan. Hilarious. Oh, you're giving me vagina smells in a classy English Oscar caliber epic film? Oh, my college brain was like, ah, yes, best picture. More vagina jokes, England. More vagina jokes. You caught me by surprise. My God was down. Marzipan. It's like marzipants. That's what vagina smelling like well, too much. Well, it's marzipan if you don't finish the sentence. <laughs> right. That's why you got to finish the sentence. I have. I. I teach this in my in my classes. Like the idea of let let your partner finish the sentence in an improv scene. Different because it's an improv scene. Um, because there's a difference between the sentence of I like eating pears and I like eating pairs of pants. So you don't know how your partner's going to end it so that your partner has no sentence. Uh, this is why I don't know what happened at the end of the, uh, the English Patient. I'm watching the movie, and I think I've bitched about this on the podcast before. I'm watching the movie, and I'm going, all right, okay, all right, what, what's happening? A lot of characters going on. The beginning of the third act, they introduce the guy with the seat guy who's the bomb expert. Don't know if yeah. you remember that. And I'm going, no, you're not allowed to introduce a major fucking character at the top of the third act. Go fuck yourself. He, I think. He came in that late? He came in pretty fucking late. Mm. Pretty late. Late enough to go, no. And then I'm watching it, and I'm doing this sort of thing where I'm shaking, rocking back and forth like a guy who's got like an autistic, an autistic nine-year-old, you know, in the body of a 25-year-old. And I'm rocking back and forth, and Katie's like holding on to me going, stop it, stop it. I'm like, I fucking can't take it anymore. And then the movie stops in the old days. The movie stops, it was the old days, and the film burns. It's like crispy, bacon-smelling, oh. bubbly. And I go, no, no. And this is a nine-hour movie. Not a it's movie. pretty close to nine I'm hours. Sorry, it sounded like the actual print burned. The print burned. And you were angry at the English patient for the theater that you saw it in doing a bad job. No, I'm watching print. it going, and I'm not even going to be able to finish this drek. Oh wow. Well, maybe if you'd seen the whole ending, it would have verified everything that happened before that. You can't un autism somebody. The moment they go into that that rocking back and forth and glazed look, it's like nothing can happen. Even there's not enough marzipan in the world to make me go, all right, okay, all right, okay. I don't even remember that, the vagina playing part. So just so I'm clear, it sounds like you are mad at English Patient for allowing its print to get burned out at an old-timey theater where you originally saw it, and that failure of execution on their part has undermined attempts of the public to cure autism. And as such, fuck English Patient. You know what? I'm so glad you finished that because I was disagreeing with you until curing autism. <laughs> now we're on board. <laughs> now we're on board. I don't necessarily agree with 85% of that sentence, but when you said curing autism, I'm like, if that shitty movie can help fucking cure autism, great.
All that I know is I don't have autism. Or you know what? I don't know that. You, you don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. I think people who have autism probably don't know that they have autism. Or maybe they do. Do we take pee breaks in the show? No. Oh. We don't. But we, you know, we could stop now, but, you know, oh, unless gonna, you really have to pee. I was going to pee and then, like, come back for another round. I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of myself. We only have a certain amount of time. Okay. Because a lot of people, this is the ADD comedy podcast. But you won't edit out all this talk about me not peeing, right? Like, that's, I mean, I think No, this, no, this we, is I hot, do no. This is all material. The other day, somebody was here, and they said, and we had this great conversation, and they said, later on, they called me with, we can't have that part in. Mm. And I said, Okay. Well, we already recorded it, but it didn't go on. And then I had to have uh, Ian Foley remove that part. I had another woman here, uh, 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 Stephanie Weir, hey. who I love. She said something, and later on she went, oh, I feel, I can't, I don't want that in. And so we took it out. But uh, we're not going to take this out. No, you put the PP. I'm going to pause it. Oh, Ready? no, we can't pause it now. Well, no, I refuse. Yes. I refuse. refuse. I mean, I it's, refuse. Only, it's not that much longer. No, we can't. All right. I'm just saying, if you want to, we can. No. There's a first you've time you've made your opinion very clear. I'm a guest in your podcast, and there's no, there's no peeing rule. There's like no double dipping. That's you fine. Know, here's the thing about That's the fine. rule. Have we talk about everything you want to talk about? This is a rule that just came up, and what I love about it is next time that somebody's here, i got to go, if you've got to pee, pee now, because there is a rule. There's a Brendan Hunt rule where you don't oh, get to pee. Right? Me right? About, about physical discomfort. I'm exactly. So, I'm so delighted. Here's the thing. I, I was doing a, a podcast with... Um, Somebody, and this is when Boyd was still alive, and in the middle of the podcast, Boyd sharded, and it was a major sharding. It was a major sharding. Like, I'm going, like, I heard, I heard, oh, he farted, and we laughed about him farting, and then he's just lying there, and I'm going, what's happening? What's happening? It's like, oh, no. And we had to clean it all up, and it was just a, it was a, it was quite Mid-podcast? the Mid-podcast? Mid-podcast. Who was your guest? Beth Lackey, uh, a, a Chicago actress who I met. Because, you know, these conversations are just, they just ramble on. She sounds like a nice woman who deserved better than to have literally dog shit flung at her. She was an angel <laughs> with, about the whole thing. God bless. She was an angel of the whole thing. And uh, this is what I love about the conversation that I have here. I, it could go fucking anywhere. And the fact is we did talk about where we are talking about your show. That's only one part of it. Because at the end of the day, I just don't care what we've done as much as with the artful. What was that cup you used to say? The, 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 the artful. Cups in it? Yeah. He used to say the artful engagement of conversation or something like that. And that's what it is. I mean, I, I listened to somebody's podcast the other day, and the first five minutes was them talking about promotion of, you know, legal Zoom and all that other stuff. And I'm like, I can't. Well, those are their sponsors. Okay. And I can't get into it. Mark Maron's, you know, it, he, there's so much yammer at the top. Is there? Yeah. Oh, it's, he's not promoting anything, is he? He does do some promotion on that, too. Okay. But looking at, this, looking at everything, looking at what we're talking about, the show that we're doing, the, it, the end of the day, yeah, we'd like to make, yeah, we, we, I want to make money. But this podcast isn't about making money. It's, it's what is it? Irv Kupsmith's yeah, the artful engagement, engagement of conversation, because that really is what it is. You I, know, I'm not sure if the Boyd chart uh, counteracts or. It's a reality. I'm not going to hold back. Just like he didn't. <laughs> Boyd did not hold back his the the uh, the beginning of the word chart. He didn't hold that back. 
We've also now mentioned Mark Maron three times. We should probably mention his podcast is pretty awesome. If you're among the few people listening to this podcast who haven't heard Mark Maron's podcast, for God's sake, get in there. It is fucking great. And especially the ones that he's done with, um, the one that he did with Paul Gilmartin. I don't know if you heard that. But the one with Paul was him and Paul really getting down to the nitty-gritty of their relationship. Oh. And the one with um, Louis C.K. Yeah, that, that one's legendary. I've heard Paul, Paul Gilmartin has his own, I believe, as well, which I heard Aaron Whitehead on, and she's great on there. Mm-hmm. Um, podcasts, huh? America's well, well, the thing is, him. Paul's podcast is one of these podcasts where he fucking gets down to it in that conversation. Because, again, I can't, I, I don't watch enough TV. Oh, you're looking at the Well, record. no, I just want to know if we've gotten down to it enough. We have. Okay. We have gotten down to it, but we've gotten down to it in the way that we've gotten down to it. You know, it's not, uh, what I mean by that is, I don't need to go, what the fuck, Brendan? You know, for this to be getting down to it. No, I mean, I walked in, you told me to take my pants off, you took off right. yours, and we hit record. Exactly. And later on, and the only reason I brought up Boyd sharding is, I've never had a human shard here. So well, I'm just saying. Like I've let you down. Well, we're not done yet. I can't shard on the man. You don't know that. Uh, you know what I mean? Another thing, where are you, are you living in lack, or are you living in abundance? You know? Ugh. Ugh. We've reached that point. We've reached that point. You know? Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so Dave directed uh, uh, me at Boob Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, the whole gang at Boob Chicago, on two different occasions, both very thrilling for me to work with someone who I had admired in high school when I was going to Second City. And one of your go-to phrases that I use a lot in other shows, I'm wondering if this is your phrase or something that you have taken from another uh, sphere, and if so, from whence it came. The phrase, um, the audience doesn't uh, get what they want. The audience wants what they get. Yes. I love that phrase. And Uh, I'm I'm curious to its uh, um, derivation. uh, That came from somebody talking about network television. And what it is that that most people watch network television are expecting. Mm -hmm. And so I took that and I extrapolated it and talked about, you know, we don't get to, we don't have to do that. We don't have network television. So we get to do this other thing, which is bring what it is that we want to them and make it so that you know, their expectations are just to sit in the, their expectations are to sit in the audience and, and be engaged in to something that they don't know what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love that phrase. I love, it. I love that phrase. I use yeah. it all the time. <clears throat> it um, changes because it really says, I'm not here. I, I'm, I'm here to entertain you. I'm also here to be an artist and to show you what I want. Because the other way around doesn't work for me. It also it puts a sense of like trust into the audience. I, I, um, I mean, directed towards them from the performers. Like you are going to be on board with me. You know, we are going to give this a shot. You don't want me to to molly coddle you. Right. No, you want to see what we're going to do. So here we go, audience. And I'm I'm also going to say, when it comes to you as an artist, Brendan Hunt as an artist, you bring you to you. Like, I don't know, I didn't know what Absolutely Filthy was going to be. And then I watched you, and I, I intentionally did not read anything about it, other than my friend Brendan's in the show. And to go and, and to say, you have, you showed me, but you always show me that other side. You always show me that exciting, uh, like you, of going, this is who the fuck I am, and accept <laughs> it. And to the point where, um, uh, I don't, you must remember this, we were at, what was that uh, club in... There was a club down the street 
the Paradiso. Is yeah. that what it's called? The, and the, the churchy looking one is the Paradiso. The churchy one, and there was a there was a there was a there was a, 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 a there was some kind of band thing going on, and it was fucking packed. And you and I was outside, and I just came from some event where I'm wearing a tie, and uh, I don't know. I think I just had a, 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 a nice shirt on, and nice slacks, and a nice a nice tie. It was an expensive fucking tie. Somebody gave it to me. I think uh -oh. Carell gave me the tie. And I walk in, and you're like, I'm waiting in line. You're like, no, we're not going to wait in line because Brendan Hunt's the mayor of Amsterdam. And we walk <laughs> in, and it's like you're waving, everybody's like, Mr. Hunt. It's like, later, later. And we walk in, <laughs> and uh, we walk. We walk in, and you walk to the front of this fucking event that's happening, and everybody's going, and people are sweaty and fucking on ecstasy and shit. And you bring me up on stage, or you're on stage, and you bring me up on stage, and we're dancing up on the stage. Do you remember this at all? Nope. Okay, we're dancing up on the stage, and you grab my tie. You're like, why are you looking? You mind? Like, why are you wearing a tie? I was like, I came for an event, and you go, eh, and you go, they go, and you undo my tie, and you whip it over your head, and you <laughs> whip it in the house. And I'm watching in slow motion. I'm watching this tie fly into an audience, and all that I keep seeing is dollar signs, like going, oh, that's a dollar sign. What's happening? Going, that's the tie. That's the tie. And it, and it, and it, and oh, it no. and sinks to the bottom, and I just imagine people like dancing on it and oh, moving yeah. their feet. And, Cigarette, you know. beer, soaked, wooden church floor. I. I ripped the tie Steve Carell gave you off your body. Yeah, he threw it into the Amsterdam night. <laughs> Not into the, yeah, into the into the into the the the, par, the, the Paradiso. Ugh. <laughs> hey man, real sorry about that. But you know what? We all learned something. Well, here's the thing. That was the price of admission. I'll fucking gladly pay that. If that was the price of admission, I will gladly pay that. Because uh, there were so many things that we did, that I did, that you brought me into that thing, and and like dancing and. Um, uh, being at the Melkweg, did we do ecstasy at the Melkweg? Were you there I mean, with probably. Roger Sanchez, yeah, international DJ days? superstar? Oh boy, that was Queen's Night, uh, 2002, I believe. And that uh, that man, he never left the DJ stand. He, he must nope. have been wearing Depends. He was he he did like a six hour, not walk away set. Yeah, I mean we had because my friend uh, my friend Jill, who I'm seeing in San Francisco this very next week. Uh, she had passes, but only like a couple. Mm -hmm. So, because Mayor of Amsterdam, Mayor of Amsterdam, like getting on stage during Queen's Night, that's a that's a tough that's a tough deal. But she was out there like, "Hey, Jill, you got any passes?" And she, you know, a bit like flighty. It's at that point of the night, I was like, uh, <laughs> reaches over, throws me two uh, bracelets, and then you and I go on stage and we dance behind the DJ who never moved. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're talking about this Paradiso night. Uh, there were so many fun nights, and not even on weekends, but like on Tuesdays, that uh, they do kind of blur together. But that uh, that Roger Sanchez night, that that is a that is a lingering memory. And Good I've night. never seen anything like that before. And he had a, he had a, a, a sidekick, I think. Uh, well, the the. Uh, the the MC that the Milky Way provides the right. Dutch guy was good at going and it was great because you hear this voice Amsterdam and you're expecting like a Bond villain and in fact <laughs> it's this six foot two hundred pound Dutch guy who's got to go to church tomorrow <laughs> right Amsterdam put your hands together for Roger Sanchez and I would love that they is, call is he, is he behind the intern who's who's saying that <laughs> exactly with lurch um. I love that it was Roger Sanchez, international DJ superstar. I, like, I cannot not say that part, like Lee Daniels, the butler, but in a good way. You know, Roger Sanchez. Oh, you mean Roger Sanchez, international DJ superstar? 
And I bought one of his albums, like, it's not the same. It's what you say about the Chemical Brothers, like going to see them in concert, don't bother. Don't you say that? Isn't that you? Well, I, I ended up uh. seeing the Chemical Brothers in concert on a couple of occasions for some reason, and uh, it was a big party, it was pretty awesome, but I, I was never able to escape the notion that they're just pressing play. I mean, they've, right. got, they've got two really good albums that we knew about, right. and some other stuff, but like... I think we pretty much just heard the songs from those <laughs> exactly. albums. I mean, exactly. What are they doing up there? Are they, are they, are they giving me a, a little more high end tonight? Because they're reading the room? Because exactly. I got to tell you, hey guys, we're not listening that closely. We're, we're kind of just... Exactly. Kinda nuance, you know, you want to save the nuance for the record. No, I, 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 it's like Dead Mouse too. I don't know that I would go to see Dead Mouse. You know Dead Mouse? Uh, I do know Dead Mouse because um, he was... <laughs> here's a weird Hollywood thing. Uh... Um, I happened to be hanging out with a friend the other day who had uh, some passes to the Xbox launch party. Mm-hmm. So we got to go to the Xbox launch party. And um, it was a fairly ridiculously broad melange of, uh, <laughs> of celebrity types. Uh, you, you had uh, Will Arnett, you had the Workaholics guys, but you also had um, Chuck Liddell. Uh, Who's Chuck Liddell? Uh, he's a Ultimate Fighter type okay. guy, uh-huh. um, and uh, Idris Elba of Luther and Stringer Bell fame was uh-huh. there, not just hanging out, DJing. He opened for Dead Mouse. Idris Elba. Was anyone Nelson playing Mandela? Mandela? Right, Mandela. Opening for Dead Mouse. <laughs> I love it out here. I fucking love it out here. I love the world of possibilities. I just fucking love it out here. And the idea of going back to Chicago, you know, to live, I know, not that I'm thinking about it, but the idea of going back to Chicago and saying, I mean, really, what would I do there? I just, I love it here. Do you like it here? Well, you would probably have an even bigger place. Whatever rent, I mean, that's just true. Right. Wherever you live right. in L.A., if you take that same amount of rent and put it in Chicago, you're getting a place twice the size. Right. Um, Is that? So there's that. You would also freeze to death. I would. Because I'm going there. You've been here long enough that it has made you soft. And I do find, like now, when I go back to Chicago for like a week in winter or whatever, I'm like, I got this. It's fine. It's a week, whatever. But it's not about that week. It's not no. about that day. Right. It's about day after day after week after <laughs> month after month after year after year after year. <laughs> and you get to February, you're like that fucking pile of dirt is that pile of snow that's dirty, taunting me, fucking taunting me, taunting me. It's been here since November. It is Christmas Eve for those of you uh, who aren't here. Uh, there is Christmas Eve day, and it is. We have windows open. It is right. bright sunshine outside. There's a gardener with a with a blowy. With a, a blowy. I with a blowy. A gardening industry term. You know, speaking of Stephanie Weir, my I think my very first week here was in January, and I was at I.O. and I saw a show and saw uh, uh, Mr. Weir, Bob Dassey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mr. Weir, I love that. Talking about how like amazed I was at the weather, uh, as you do. And he immediately, with, with, the, with the weary sense of someone who had already been here. But not the Mr. Weary sense. Uh, not Mr. Weary. Right. <laughs> not Mr. Weary. Um, I'm like, wow, weather here's amazing to me. But with like a knowing, don't ever forget this gravity. It looks me straight in the eye and goes, yeah, but it makes you soft. <laughs> oh. And he's kind of he's right. Like, uh, right. Time, time hasn't seemed to pass because we have, no, uh, we have no hibernation period to mark these days as, as right. we have before. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how I can uh, convey this exactly, but it's just true. Like, I'm, it, it makes you soft. The idea of being in Chicago on Valentine's Day, 
you're wearing a coat. You're not here. You're not wearing a coat here. No. You know? My birthday's in April. It's gonna, it might snow. And that's how, you know, <laughs> and here... My birthday's in June. Right, it and it snow. might snow, and it might snow. And here you go, there is no, there is no, oh, it's February, oh, it's cold, it's February. Because right now, this weather could be June. Yeah, it could be. And you hear that blowy? But here's it. I do hear that. That's a, that's a June blowy. The distant blowy, the wind. It's like, yes. it's like a cardinal in Chicago. The way uh, they just said it sounded like a Robert Burns poem. Oh, the distant blowy in the oh, wind. Oh, the distant blowy. The um, distant blowy in the wind. The thing is, with, I mean, with Chicago and its weather and Amsterdam and its weather, uh, to quote the great Andrew Moskos about uh, and, uh, Amsterdam, if it rained, if it didn't rain in Amsterdam, it would be perfect. And if Chicago didn't have you know, nine months of unpredictable savagery, meteorologically speaking, it would be perfect because both those cities do such a great job of, of like, <laughs> like, all right, here's the con. There's this weather thing. Then we're going to push up the pro because right. just everything else about those cities is, is just so damn great. The food is great and the, the, the architecture is great and, and I, I, I miss walking, it. They're both such great walking cities. You, and actually I live pretty close by, you know, this is a pretty good walking neighborhood, which is nice, but it's such a luxury. Yeah, out here, like just be able to have a stroll and a sit down and a read and a coffee and a, right and a. Well, I'm not gonna pretend I would actually talk to strangers or or locals or even friends, but uh, to have the opportunity to ask someone oh. how's your day going. Right. But then refuse that opportunity. Yeah. That makes all the difference. I got caught at the airport the other day with saying, <laughs> "Oh, you have a Bloody Mary. I have a Bloody Mary," and then done. I would my my time was done. It's like we have to stop talking. You keep talking. And I was thinking about it. If I saw you in a car, I would not talk to you. Like if I saw, if I, I, I might be, I might honk my horn at you. I don't know how to say that. Other than I think you probably drive a douchey car. I honked my horn at someone the other day, and it was it, like it, like it shocked, it shocked them. You could see like, hey, Matt, <laughs> and he's like looking around, <laughs> like there's a grenade gone off. And he eventually narrowed, because, you know, you forget that you are one of 20 cars that is in this right. person's line right. of vision. And he nails me to, oh, hey! But then he's got to lean down, kind of go through, and I'm in silhouette. The sun's behind me. Brandon? Yeah, man! And now it's not behind him, every other pedestrian is like, what the fuck? Is go Who are these people greeting each other? You know, like, there's no casual way to do it. No. You're no glad I touched base with Matt. But then, <laughs> like, man, no. Which Matt? Uh, Matt Bronger, Matt Bronger, the uh, hilarious stand-up comedian. Oh, yes. Yes. Little name droppery. Well, let's end there. Thank you. Buddy, you are welcome. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. 
For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at addcomedypod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.